The Business of Agriculture is brought to you by Land Trust. Have you heard how landowners are increasing profitability by adding recreation to their portfolio of land use? Millions of outdoor recreators seek wide open spaces for bird watching, photography, hunting, fishing, horseback riding, and many other farm and ranch activities. Landowners are partnering with the Recreation Access Network Land Trust. Land Trust is an online platform connecting recreators with landowners for outdoor experiences on their land to increase profitability. Visit landtrust.com/boa as in business of agriculture to learn more. That's landtrust.com/boa. Greetings and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Business of Agriculture podcast. You're probably listening to this because most people do, but a few of you view it on my YouTube channel, which is the Damian Mason channel. If you want to check out all of my stuff, uh, you know, old episodes of this, agricultural commentary, even my old Bill Clinton bits, you can go to YouTube, the Damian Mason channel, and probably find all that stuff. But in the meantime, I'd like you to listen to what we're talking about today because we're talking about what the last two years have done to affect and impact the world's most important industry. Everything from manufacturer to Farmgate as it relates to agricultural supply. Now, we're not going to talk about feed. We're going to talk about mostly the agricultural inputs of seed, fertilizer, chemistry, etc. I've got everything from manufacturer to farm gate represented here. I've got my man Brandon and Ryan. They are with Helena. They have been uh, employers of me a number of times doing speaking engagements up here in the Northwest, up in South Dakota. And Brandon, in fact, covers everything from the Dakotas westward. Ryan's a South Dakota, North Dakota, North Dakota as he would say it, guy. And then I've got uh, Kristen and Brad over here. They're from South Dakota and they farm. They have been involved in a feed mill, uh, and, I'm sorry, in a, a grain terminal. And then they also have a trucking company and they have an agricultural retailer. So we've got everything represented here from manufacturer onto farm gate. And we're going to talk about what these last two years have done. It's been a very challenging time. Uh, but you know what? There's also been some positives that have come out of these last couple of years. Uh, some people are reluctant to admit it. But really, there's been some opportunities that have been able to be exploited and capitalized on for greater profit opportunities. We're going to be talking about all that stuff and more in this episode of the Business of Agriculture. Real quickly, then, let's go around the horn here. I talked about Brandon and Ryan first. They are my, my Helena folks. You've been covering the South Dakota Terry for a long time. Ryan, what is your post here? Because uh, you've always brought me in to talk to your retailers. So I am the Western Dakota's branch manager. So I cover 281 North and South Dakota on the distribution side. And so, uh, for those of you that are not that don't know for sure, you know you got a few big agricultural retailers. Uh, you know, uh, Brandon, you talk about Helena being one of them, but you guys, you got the Wilburialises of the world, you've got the Nutrients of the world. You guys are a little more diversified up and down the the chain in that you um, are a vertically uh, manufacturer all the way down to you have some of your own retail units, right? Absolutely. Okay, so you've been in this position doing uh, what you do. You cover what, 10 states? Yes, sir. All right, and we are going to get into all the supply problems that we've seen. We're not going to talk specifically about supply chain, but we're going to maybe talk about what has had to happen and the improvising we've all had to do. So I want to hear that from you. Before we do that, I want to make sure we get to hear from uh, Brad and Kristen Seidel. They're from up in Bison, South Dakota, a place that almost nobody's been to, but I have been. Give me a, give me a quick background, Kristen, on you and Brad's business. Um. Oh, my gosh, that background's really big. Um. <clears throat> He started trucking in 2006. So we started with just a cattle pot and a truck. 
And we did that for a few years. So we were into the trucking business really well. And then it was about the time that our first one was born, which would have been 2007, eight. Um, he was asked um, by his dad if he would be interested in buying a sprayer. And so he bought a sprayer. We kept the trucking. He did the spraying. He sold chemical. And then he really wanted to get into the seed business as well. So from that point, we kept growing. And then two years ago, we were kind of unconventionally or whatever thrown into doing our own thing 100% on our own. And so we have the farming, the trucking, our own retail seed business as well, and then four kids. So, <laughs> And you also have a background in the grain handling business. Brad, give me a real quick background on that. Just a family business, uh, born and raised in it. My grandfather had the elevator. It stayed in the family. My dad owned it. And now my brother is in the driver's seat of that operation. My uncle had a family farm that's large farming and uh, 2,500 head feedlot, 500 cow-calf operation. And that's pretty well where I was born and raised at, and that's what got me introduced to the agriculture. All right, so the point is we've got a pretty big breadth and depth here of uh, this enterprise. So let's talk about two years ago. I'm here with you in South Dakota two years ago. We kind of heard some rumblings. There's going to be some things going on. People are talking about some virus. I don't think any of us quite predicted what all, that all hell would break loose a few weeks after I was here with you when all of a sudden the government – truly went on tv and said we're going to shut down the economy tell me just something from there mr brandon yeah that was a shocker in fact i remember being here with you at this meeting we flew out of here the next day i think to salt lake city and we sat by each other we got to talk about it and this is february 2020 i want to say it was like march 16th of 2020 when everything shut down anyways at that time i mean we went from getting ready busy season planting uh full swing for an ag retailer distributor business and things just changed we had to have a, a piece of paper in our vehicle saying we're an essential business um people were wondering what they could do what they couldn't do all these rules uh, supply supply issues started not very long after that <clears throat> excuse me and uh the world's changed ever since then so um, this is a pretty crazy time for sure. Okay, so the thing is, it was two years ago, right now that we're talking about this, we were heading into your busy season, getting stuff on the farms, getting stuff out the door, and, uh, you know, you might have the stuff pre-sold, you, you know, your business is a, is a every day of the year business, but there's also times when you do a bunch more of the work than you do other times, right? So all of a sudden, you're like, oh, crap. So... In places like South Dakota, probably there was nobody out here monitoring you to make sure that you were allowed to be on the road when they said shut down. But he's from Washington, Ryan, which we know is damn near a communist uh, people's colony. So compared to South Dakota to that, did you have any struggles in the first few months of this whole thing two years ago as far as being able to do the work or get the job done? Absolutely. I mean, from the day one, I mean, a lot of it, everybody was scared. Like I had multiple truck drivers just say i'm not i'm not gonna drive a truck and be around people i'm staying home they just quit okay walk, walked out the, walked out the door and never come back 
Okay, so the, the biggest problem early on was getting people in because the government told them they could stay at home. And, and there's a lot of folks that thought that was really neat that had white-collar jobs in, in uh, places like Washington, D.C., where they don't actually produce anything anyhow. Well, it's hard to work from home from a computer from your pajamas when you've actually got to haul uh, fertilizer to a farmstead. <laughs> So, so when your people stay say stay stay at home because we're avoiding this, that it means the product just didn't get there. I mean, we got it there. We improvised, overcame, but it just made it twice as hard. I mean, it just it uh, just threw a lot more challenges in it. Some of our customers, you know, we had to, truck drivers needed to stay. You know, everybody kind of had a little different protocol that we had to adjust to. And I mean, you just we were coming into busy season. You know, most customers were fine, but there was there was some customers that, you know, wanted different protocols, and, you know, we just had to adapt. All right, so going to the – that's going back two years, and we've obviously adapted to that. At your situation, did you have farmers that said, I don't know if I want people coming on my farm because of what's going on? Did you have customers that said, stay away? Absolutely not. We're a small rural community. This didn't affect us like it does nationally. Okay, so you still had people, you had boots on the ground, and you, what about people not wanting to work because they said, I'm scared? So we just, we didn't have it. So statistically, I think, I hope I'm not making a liar myself, but our county in South Dakota itself, I think, was one of the last ones to get COVID at all. Okay. And so I don't feel like people were that scared, but where we're at in Bison, you have to remember we are. 40 miles in any direction, 40 plus miles away from any other town. Got it. All right. Now going over to Brandon, system-wide, you see a lot of stuff. You've got a bunch of states under your control. All hell's breaking loose. Where was your biggest problem? Where was your biggest non-problem? Yeah, probably the biggest problem was just being able to have people at work to take care of our customers. I mean, in our business, if we don't have a customer, we don't have a business. So being able to get the customer what they needed on time, because we have people um, working from home yeah. that so, should be. So a, at first, it wasn't product availability. Product availability wasn't a concern at first because we had stuff in the pipeline. Correct. It was getting it was getting human hands in to drive the trucks, do the stuff, process the papers, be on the, be on the, uh, the distribution channel. Absolutely. And then came with people getting COVID and people working from home. Then we got the supply chain issues. Right. When did you start seeing that? Okay, two years ago, the whole thing got crazy when we got told to shut down. When's the first time you started looking around saying, wait, 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 we don't have stuff? Yeah, probably, you know, within six months of that, okay. towards the end of the end of the summer. Probably, okay, so heading fall into season. fall, heading yeah. into fall, what normally happens, Ryan? What normally happens in your business? You get through all the inputs generally go out between March and July, right? End of July, yeah. Yep. By August, it's all done. Then it's kind of, uh, what, booking orders for the next year? What happens from August on? Uh, I mean, just kind of, you know, a lot of returns happen, you know, just rebooking inventory, but but mo- most of it's returns. But in this last year, you were happy to get that back when supply was tight, ab- and then all of a sudden, these same guys that always want to give give you the the stuff as a return were holding on to it, and you said, "Wait a minute, give me that back." Yeah, absolutely, because it was going up tenfold. We loved returns at the time, but uh-huh. it's the only time in our in our business that I remember him giving us kudos for having higher inventory yeah yeah because when product when products uh, prices are going up every day you were happy to take it back and pay them what they paid for it three months before absolutely yeah it's yeah. good business it's a way to boost your margins brandon you're a smart guy like that okay um then we got into year two and a lot of us thought wait a minute what the hell this is this isn't going to continue and it seems like it got worse 
starting in 2021, one year ago, then the question was, are we going to have everything we need to go to the field? And I remember, is there going to be seed? Well, wait a minute. The seed companies generally have their turn down in South America, and they bring the stuff up here. What did it look like heading into spring one year ago from your vantage point? Yeah, a year ago, we we really started focusing on procurement, and we spent a lot more time on procurement than we did marketing. Which was the hardest. Yeah, instead of normally just selling, 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 it was about getting making sure you got stuff in inventory. What was the hardest thing to get? I mean, seed, it, feed, chemical, fert. I don't know if one was any harder than the other. Um, it's my understanding that seed was a little easier to come by because we had more of it. Is that uh, your experience in the Northwest? Yeah, but the seed wasn't as big an impact for us in the Northwest. Um, more, more chemistry. Um, that was more of an issue, and then spot shortages on fertilizer, frankly, and that was logistical issues. Whether it's uh, West Coast longshoremen on shut down with COVID and yep. not being able to unload barges, or Canadian fertilizer coming down experience at the retail level what one year ago when you were heading into this you thought okay we've been at this a while what did you look at one year ago and say wait a minute didn't anticipate this what what surprised you a year ago honestly what surprised me the most was our distributors they all they were prepared well and we work with multiple companies but anytime i called on ryan he was always there for us and he still is today and i call and ask all the time hey what are we going to do about this we got supply issues covid this covid that he said don't worry about it i got you covered and same way with like going back into the returns last fall ryan said right there keep what you got so you got it on your hand he said you don't know whether you're going to get it next year or not but keep it if you got it okay big part now what did you at your level learn from one year to the next made you stronger because some of us have to admit we didn't like the way things happened but there's a few different aspects of our business we actually grew from and even made more money from did you have a learning moment that also became a more profit oriented moment for you absolutely where trucking? all about positioning trucking inventory and positioning that's all it is right now you can name your price on freight logistics it's everything if you can't truck it you're out of luck because that's how it all gets here okay so you're able to boost prices your margins went up you were paying more for stuff the thing is we all faced higher costs higher prices from paying for our insurance my insurance is all bumped uh, obviously our fuel price is all bumped you're facing higher prices but you're able to pass that on generally absolutely you have to if you don't it's just not business i mean you got to pass it on to the consumer 2021 uh make you more money than 2020 i don't know that for sure <laughs> couldn't answer that fairly is 2022 going to make you more money than 2021 absolutely all right i want to hear from my girl Kristen. what'd you learn what did you learn that you actually you kind of didn't like at the time i can give you several examples from my business uh where i didn't like going through it for instance i never had to do a zoom call uh until about uh 2019 i was really glad i was ahead of the curve on that because man that became a valuable thing what did you what did you learn either right before or right during this whole blow up that made you more profitable well i'm actually going to tell you that 2020 for me or as a as a person in ag in general and where we live we were so isolated that everybody else who was staying home it was no different for us so in 2020 when we were all working 18 hour days we were still working 18 hour days yeah. um i guess i'm in a different category than of the guys because then i'm also homeschooling my kids over zoom calls but some of the things that were made a little bit easier for us were if our guys needed to 
if our guys needed to get their applicator license, all of a sudden now because of COVID, they're willing to let our guys do it online. If our guys needed to get a CDL or I had to go get my CDL, all of a sudden now they're being they're willing to push me going to get my driving test done from six months to a year. So you get it actually made it better for us in some ways because they gave us more time and we didn't have to drive really far t- because they gave us the technology to use for it. All right. We're going to ask everybody here about employee retention, keeping employees. I've been with you guys enough. I know the people like Shane and Jake over here. I know a bunch of your hell on the people, but I got to say, um, I'm working for ag organizations now. And uh, first off, some people that were in that certain age took a walk and didn't come back and then we got the idea that uh, some people apparently at the lower level lower skilled positions said wait a minute i can get paid and take this child credit tax credit and i don't have to work at all so we got a changing landscape here on being able to keep employees employed but even also to get new employees in i want to go start at the top and we'll work our way down again what are you seeing on employee retention or getting new people are you short staffed right now in your eight states that you cover Yes. Uh, by how much? By one person? <laughs> by by ten percent? By what? Uh, not probably ten percent, but probably ten percent of truck drivers for sure. I mean, we have locations. We have like forty locations in the northwest states, and we have positions that have been open for over a year for CDL truck drivers, uh, truck drivers, and applicators. Those jobs are very hard to fill right now. And uh, I talked to one of our operations manager. Well, how did you hire this guy? Or why did you hire this guy? And he said, well, he's the only one that applied. Within a whole year, we had one applicant. So what you said earlier about, you know, unemployment, enhanced unemployment benefits, those things, some of those people could make $20, $25 an hour to not go to work. Right. And a lot of these jobs pay that much. So they just chose not to work. So it's very difficult. I mean, we've had to do different things in, in different markets, we've, you know, whether it's we've offered to help pay for CDL school or help do um, retention bonuses or sign-on bonuses, just different things in different markets because they all have a, a different issue, and it's it's very tough. All right, Ryan, my man, uh, I think that you're probably right there with me. You, you know, we're not the higher-ups like Mr. No. Bennington, so we're like in that mid-level. We're just workers. That's all we are. We're like workers with a few more responsibilities and a, and a dollar more an hour. All of a sudden, I'm looking around saying, wait a minute, these truck drivers, they're approaching my income? Maybe I should just stop doing what I do and go and drive a truck. It looks like uh, it, it'd be less stress than having my own business. You've got a bunch of people that you probably saw oversaw pay increases going to them, and you thought, I never thought in my career I'd see us having to offer this much to get somebody to come and work in a warehouse. You know, or offer 30% more than you ever have and get nobody to even apply. I mean, <laughs> not to even look at it. That's I mean, that's what's frustrating. And, and in my specific business, Seventy percent of my drivers are temporary, and to get a temporary guy is even twice as hard. You know. Okay, so how understaffed are you? Is it worse in a more rural area? I would think that it is, or is it that rural people have a better work ethic than, say, if you're if he's close to Spokane, for instance, is it harder for him to get people in Spokane than it is for them to get people in Bison, or vice versa? There's more people in one place, but there's probably a bit more of a uh, of a, I'm not going to just sit around in the other place. Is that true? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, w- I would say, but still, just either way across the board, in the agriculture business, it's just tough. Because obviously, if you're going to get a good employee, you're about going to have to go poach them because they're already working. If you, uh, Kristen and Brad, if you had to change your business plan or your very practices uh, drastically, somewhat drastically, or not at all in the last year just to, to thrive? 
Are you changing? Are you changing the way you do things drastically? Just little adjustments, or or not at all in the last year? I, maybe his opinion is different than mine, but I don't feel like we've changed it much because what we do is we end up just working harder. Okay, so the which is not really something that's sustainable. You can't work eighteen hour days the rest of your life because but eventually we, you'll but pop we keep it. doing it. Right. So and not, you're working more. Oh, you're, not, you're working more, but you're not changing anything drastically. No, not really, because we're working more, but also, and I just, that's where I kind of feel ridiculous sitting at this table with these guys, because my answers are probably way far off from theirs, but I tell people we're raising our employees, so we have Brad, who's, you know, able to do every position, which he should be able to, and then we have one employee at the moment, and we've been through many of them at this uh -huh. point, and a lot of them don't care, like Ryan says, they don't care what you offer to pay them, right. I mean, we've paid some ridiculous yeah, maybe wages, maybe you're paying them too much. But moving forward, Brad, are you going to make drastic changes or even subtle to mid-level changes because you have to? Absolutely Every not. business does, right? No, nope. are they? I'm not going to right now. I'm, we're through the workforce. Uh, if we get the right personnel to come along, we're going to hire them immediately. But as far as going forward, uh, we're going to keep continuing to work hard. And our changes being made are we're raising our own kids. That's where we're getting our future employees from. Well, that, and that's sad to say. We don't want to set their future for them, but, but that's where you raise your good ones. Well, there's, 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 there's eventually that runs out also. I don't think that you can keep her bread for enough years to keep <laughs> no, her. Going, no, that's but, actually that actually that boat has sailed. <laughs> but but you can't it, we're not looking like we have we have like a lot of years left i mean my oldest is gonna be 14 in april and my youngest is gonna be seven and here's the All thing right. that, i'm still that, paying for a business plan for most <laughs> no 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 that and that's why i'm saying it's it's sure. kind of ridiculous because right. It, right now though that's the the struggle we're facing is if i have to leave the office to run get in a truck because that's what the guys need me to do right. you have to put the 13 year old in the office answer the phone it's not ideal and i would rather not have it that way but right now that's so it this, is ridiculous. This is all issues around employees. Uh, big picture. Is it going to get better in the next 12 months, the employee picture? Man, I sure hope so. But I, I don't know what's going to be the impacting change. I was say, what's that. the catalyst to yeah. do that? Ryan, is it going to get better in the next 12 months? I already have my prediction. No, I, I don't think so. I'm with you. And uh, we don't always see the same on how we gamble. But I would gamble right now, probably not as uh, adventurously as you, but I would gamble right now that we're not going to see any substantial change on the labor or even just mid-level employee front uh, in the next 12 months. In fact, it might get worse. Uh, products, new products. About every year I come to your meeting, the tech people come here and they talk about a new product. So they talked about a potassium product that's pretty new, I think. Uh, yeah, it's a version. It's it's a version of another one, yeah. Okay. But. Well, okay, it was an upgrade to a prior product. Yep. Uh, did products, uh, product enhancement and product new new product development take a hit? It certainly seems like it during the last couple of years. Or the rollout, you know. If you're a consumer good, you probably didn't roll out something new. But on ag, we kept buying seed. We kept buying feed. We kept planting the acres. Did it did it change how the new products coming to market looked with the whole pandemic and the shutdown? Or did new products still come out? No, it totally put them to stop from what I've seen. I mean, there was a little bit of talk, but we were just trying to source, you know, trying to put in the, you know, into the marketplace what what we've had in the past. Okay, making, so making sure we're, you know, because everything's allocated allocations a new word and i mean 
it's hard to allocate a new product. Okay, going to brand at the big picture. Uh, is there going to be a glut of new stuff coming to market then? Because they've all been holding back. The engineers were still working. The 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 pipeline on new chemistry was still there. Is there going to be a whole boatload of stuff coming in the next twelve months? Because it was sort of uh, halted, and now it's ready to. The companies are ready to get their return on investment to get the new thing going. So, in in my opinion, I think. For the next six months, let's say at least through June, it's all going to be about procurement and supply. And everybody's ramping up production and procuring raws and intermediates to build these products. At some point after that, who knows when, whether it's late summer, next fall, next winter, I mean, there's going to be probably a great supply of products at some point. Right now, there's a shortage and everybody's making adjustments to get them. And so... With new products, too, like we had a couple launch products last year that we couldn't roll out to the level we wanted to because we couldn't get some of the components. And so they were not they didn't go as as good as they planned. Sure, well they got semi stranded because you didn't it, you couldn't it couldn't be a 100%. I mean you can't do something 100% then it was we don't quite have this product or we can't put it out all the way. And by the way, you prefaced that random by saying in my opinion, most of the things you've answered are your opinion in case you're wondering and we're fine with that. That's why we have you on here. It's your opinion with your experience and your expertise, which is all fine. So you needn't preface it by saying in my opinion because you know what? I never do. I just say to people here's the deal and they know it's my opinion. But if I say it's a factual statement I want to make sure that everybody knows the factual statement. And I'm going to give you a factual statement because this is actually straight out of the Wall Street Journal. Most households on, or uh, most households in the United States of America are actually in a better financial position in terms of their cash position or their net worth than they were two years ago. That's a factual thing. It might seem hard to believe, but remember, there's a whole bunch of employees that kept their jobs and they were told by the employers were afraid to fire them or couldn't fire them. And then also they got uh, a couple of rafts of uh, federal money given to them, and then their savings rate spiked because they were staying home and other than buying some crap on Amazon. So the reality is a lot of – most they said that the majority of homesteads, home households in the United States actually had an improved cash position and net worth position year over year from this year to two years ago. Is your business in a better position than it was two years ago? Are you in a better net worth position? Your holdings are probably more valuable. Absolutely. Are you making more money? Yes. Yes, your margins are higher. And they have so, to be. So in general, as much as we might complain, we're we're okay. Higher prices always mean more margin. That's all there is to it. But we're paying more for everything also. Absolutely. But so, you're also getting more for your returns. Okay. So if we had to do over again, we wouldn't like to do this, but we can't complain about our cash position or our net worth improvement uh, enhancement on this. I don't believe so. No. Okay. Consolidation. Do you have less customers to serve now in the year 2022 than you would have in 2019 because some folks decided, screw it, I'm done? Yes, there has been a few family, small farms that have given up. Okay, so that means you have still the same number of acres, but you have less people to, to serve, and also they have as many people to still choose as their suppliers. So you do have the issue of a consolidating customer base. Yes, absolutely. What's your strategy on serving or retaining the same amount of margins and amount of business when you have uh, less customers to call on? Just got to expand and meet everybody's needs. That's all there is to it. She had an answer. Besides expansion, what else? Oh, my, that's what I said. Was, I mean, basically expand his base, but that's a little bit why we do a little bit of everything. The trucking, the farming, the 
you know, the retail. You, you, that's called diversification. So you're feeling good about that. Ryan can't diversify. All he can do is sell what Helena gives him to sell. You're going to have a few less retailers potentially and certainly a few less farmers uh, in the year 2023 than you had in 2019. Ryan, what's your strategy to make sure that you don't lose any market share? Just take care of your good customers. I mean, we're dang sure not looking for new ones right now because we're our main focus is to help the people that have helped us through the years. So. so you're doubling down on your good customers. Question for Brandon from the big top, and I want to go around this. Everybody decided to start buying stuff at home. If you just said five years ago, you know what a bunch of Americans are going to do? They're going to sit in their pajamas and they're going to order dinner online, and that some dude on a bicycle is going to just show up and give them their food. You'd be like, no, hell no, that's not going to work, right? And now it happened. And then they're buying their groceries online. We figured... Farmers Business Network and some of these online outlets to buy glyphosate or whatever. I can get on my phone right now and have a shuttle of glyphosate shipped to my farm. But it didn't really happen. Why not? Well, I think a lot of that had to do with supply. I mean, supply was a big part of that. I mean, it happened It happened at the grocery level, happened at meals, it happened on a bunch of stuff. You know, folks sat home and ordered furniture. All of a sudden, like, you're getting dog food and a sofa delivered to your front step by Amazon. But it didn't happen with ag inputs. Is it going to? I mean, I don't think it's going to be in the short term because, again, this supply deal and, and people to service this business – um, that's going to be the number one impact. We got, like Ryan said, we got to take care of the customers that we've been working with for years, and we're not we're not pursuing any new customers right now. We're trying to take care of the ones that take care of us. So but, just like these guys. But also at the end of the day, it's nice to hear someone answer the phone and talk to you too. I mean, you're not real personable with Amazon or, you know, ordering something from a farmer's network. And that's what, like they're saying, they've had some of the same truck drivers, at least that come to our area for a long time. And I love when their guys show up because I know them time after time, I visit with them or I'll bake them something in the back and feed them. I mean, it's the human connection. I agree with that, but there was a person that probably thought that on Main Street USA in the 1950s and then Walmart came to town and we shattered that whole premise and then now post walmart looks like the customer says oh i I, grandma used to go and see clarence and and buy her sofas and then i went to walmart and bought my ikea crap or whatever they sell there generic ikea crap and now the person says oh i just got my phone and i just had delivered next day from amazon is your customer that's your age or five years younger than you going to care about your personal relationship 10 years from now probably not not being mean how do you combat how do you how do you compete only thing you can do is your service your customer satisfaction they call you you help in any way possible they okay. call their computer okay google that's what they get i think at some point it's not just selling a product because the product becomes ubiquitous you can get it anywhere it's going to have to be what else am i getting so it's kind of like you're selling the product of absolutely the product. it's all about personal result. knowledge you're yeah the result of the product absolutely ryan um other oh, last yes. things well go ahead I was just going to say, you know, we all need to be a business partner with our customers, whether it's a retailer or a grower. You know, we have to know what their needs are. We need to be able to help them. We need to give them solutions. That's something that Amazon's not going to be able to do. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they can have a drone come pull a soil sample and send it to the lab or whatever. But they're probably not going to send you the right mix when you need 27 tons of 
dry fertilizer tomorrow yeah based off that soil sample so there's always going to be a need there's the personal part there's the critical analysis part of it there's the human decision making part of it you know uh i worked in a factory 30 years ago 30 plus years ago and we replaced low labor low level labor jobs with uh, machines and it was like what are these people going to do and and it's always been a, a challenge for us ryan You've been around a while. Uh, is is it going to move in your marketplace to where it's all online ordering and they don't need you? No, I, I don't. Not in not in my career. Yeah, I mean everybody. Most of the orders I take, I make a recommendation along with it a lot yeah. of the time. Right. So, I mean, it's such a service based business that I just don't. I mean, I just don't. I'm not saying that a, a segment of it won't be because yeah. there will be. Yeah, but. For the majority of the piece, there won't be. I think that if you're selling just a commodity, meaning if you're just selling this thing and that's all there is to it, then 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 the differentiation factor is not there and they shop online. But if there's the idea that there's actually critical analysis or some value add on what this actual thing means, you probably uh, are right. And by the way, it must be true, online stuff for ag inputs hasn't caught on. And they've been going now for about five years. At least. At least. Yeah. Yeah, at least. Uh, last couple of topics here for uh, our friends. Um, let's go on over here to, to the ag retailers. Um, you're a little younger, and I'm not saying that in any mean way. You're just a little younger. You've grown up in the business, but you're a little younger than, say, Ryan or you know, a lot. me. Um, with this whole tumult and availability of stuff, a bunch of the old timers said, well, you know what? We don't have to have this product. We can also grow crops with this product or this product because you've got enough experience. Did you have to call some of the old guard and say, "What if we can't get X? What's my sec? What's my my uh, plan B?" Absolutely, I've called on a lot of people over the years. Uh, Ryan's been very knowledgeable. I had a uh, uncle that was an engineer, and he's the guy that I've leaned on through all of it. And it's exactly what you're saying. He's 70 years old now, and he has got a heck of a lot of experience. So. Yeah, when product A don't work, call on somebody that knows, and we find product B and we make it work. Are we going to have everything that we need? Uh, first off, do you have everything you need this year? Are your customers uh, your customers all? Do you have everything you need for this year? I could supply them with active ingredients to fit their operations. Do I have everything I want for them? No, but I can make their operations work for the year. Uh huh. Going to Brandon, big picture. Then what are we going to see? that we have that a lot of customers right now i'm recording this on march 1st when we get to june what's what's something that's going to surprise people i mean i think uh, anything with the bean label on it bean herbicides i think are going to be extremely short i think uh, there's going to be some demand destruction in this fertilizer thing with this putting 200 units of nitrogen on corn with the expense that it is and with the bean price spiking up i mean i, I understand corn beans and wheat have all moved up drastically in the last couple of weeks but i believe there's going to be more beans and the bean herbicide deal the glyphosate glufosinate yeah. dicamba piece these other products labeled on beans are all going to be short and they're going to be on other things like legumes like peas lentils um dry beans uh chickpeas those products i think are going to be extremely short all right before we go to ryan i want to hear it from her so you just heard that uh there's going to be a run on soybeans and then obviously the other protein products that use the same product are going to they're already staying about the same it's the soybeans acres that are going to see a run and therefore there's going to be a run on, on supply there's going to be a drag on the ability uh, there's going to be a run on demand there's going to be a drag on supply What's going to what's what's going to surprise you in your area that uh, that you think you know that the people down the road don't? What's going to happen in your area that you know is coming? You're, convic- you're predicting a surprise. 
Oh, glyphosate? Just having... You're going to have it. Oh, yeah, in our area, for sure. I don't think people are prepared for that. To, to the, there's going to be that much of a run on it? Yeah. And we've ordered five or times that, the price? Or that they didn't realize it was going to be that hard to get. I see. And, but that's where he came in, and he... <laughs> I'm going, do you know what you have out there? Because this is what my inventory says. That's what he has me for. Uh-huh. And then we go out, and he goes, no, I don't have that much. And, and luckily, we do, you know? Uh-huh. So you're a little overspun on that. What's what surprises coming, Ryan, that you see because you've been around for a couple of years that uh, the bulk of the people don't see? I mean, I, I'm going to go back to the glyphosate piece because, I mean, the intelligence. The world's most used herbicide. Yeah, you know, the, the, you know, the glufosinate and glyphosate, you know, they're saying the market could be 30% short. And there's a lot of farmers in the. You know, in our area, what they just have relied on glyphosate. Okay, we're going to plant our corner. We're going to spray, spray glyphosate four times. Well, now we're going to move into the pre's, so which in turn all the pre's are going to be short, and it's it's just going to be a because once again she said I'll go back. There's a whole bunch of people out there that haven't procured anything, yep. and they think it's kind of a farce. I mean, I think they're coming to realization now. But they're hoping between. They thought it was now, chicken little. They thought it was yeah. chicken little, and the reality is, it's not chicken little. It, There's really none of this stuff. Yeah. Now in the next six weeks, we're hoping well maybe glyphosate will drop twenty bucks a gallon. Uh, <laughs> it's not going to yeah. happen. Yeah. All right. Uh, lesson that you think anybody should take away. Thing that you learned running your business. This is called the business of agriculture podcast. This is a business. What lesson do you want to impart? What thing do you want to tell people? What takeaway from the last two years do you want? And without being generic, if you give me a tried answer like. Be prepared. The Boy Scouts pull that crap, okay? <laughs> Don't give me some be prepared Boy Scout bullshit. I want to actually talk about what business lesson you're going to tell people in ag that you learned from the last two years that you think that other people could learn from. Yeah, but I don't. I don't know that be prepared is even a good answer because well, nobody was. It, I don't it's either. not. That's why, I mean, that's why I preemptively told you not to give it. And, to and me. that's why, like I'm saying, you know, we use the kids for employees. We have to do what works today. Yeah. You have to plan for what's going to work today and do a little bit ahead and see where you're at. I mean, you have to plan, but. I mean, we've got the weather that doesn't seem to like to do what any of us like it to do either. All right, so I got do what works today. What do you got? What's your business lesson everybody can learn from you gleaned from the last two years? Loyalty. That's where it's at. The customers that are loyal to you, you take care of them, just like Ryan and uh, Brandon both said. They're supplying their loyal customers first. If they have extra, then they will deal with what's left. Got it. Mr. Brandon, lesson takeaway, and you're about 50 years old. You've been in this business your whole life. What thing the last two years, what's your uh, takeaway that you want to share with anybody in the business of ag? Well, I just think between the Zoom, Teams, and WebEx, I became a resident expert on those three. And uh, I think communication, communicate the good and the bad and let people know and awareness so they can make plans when there's going to be shortages and different things. But in any relationship, business, whatever, we got to communicate. And what I've learned is Zoom, Teams, WebEx. Yeah, I actually, the bigger thing is those are just forms of communication. You know, those are just modern-day smoke signals. But you did a smart thing where you just said, we've got a pretty forgiving customer base. Nobody's happy about it. But when everybody's in this tumult, when you say, Here, here's what we're up against, there is a, an acceptance of that, you know, from your customer base. Like, hey, here's what we're dealing with. I mean, they actually said, uh, okay, I get it. You don't have this or you don't have employees and we're dealing with the same problems here. Is that what, that's really what you're talking about? Absolutely. And then provide a solution to flex the product B or C like these guys are doing. That's what we all got to do. And I mean, we're, people are doing burning down crop with clethodim. 
paraquat. I mean, because they can't get glyphosate. Well, I mean, also, there's a really good chance you can get those commercials that are on right now. If you've used paraquat, I think there's going to be a run on using paraquat against so you can get on the class action suit because I see them when, when, I, you know, when you watch Price is Right, those paraquat commercials are all over the place. All right, Ryan, takeaway lesson. I haven't been watching much Price is Right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, what did you get out of the last two years that you think is a good business lesson to share with anybody? I mean, I'll go back to Brandon's communication. I'm lucky to have worked for a company that is, I mean, they communicate the good, the bad, the ugly, which in turn lets us, you know, return the favor favor to our customers to where they can communicate or prepare whether or not their growers want to act on it. And, you know, that's fine. But you got to let people know what's going on. I'll give you my one that I think is a good takeaway. My wife actually told me, she was pretty proud. She says, you know, uh, they shut down all the meetings. Uh, a substantial part of our revenue comes from me going to meetings and doing presentations and whatnot. And she said, you know what, because you have built a really good relationship base, our phone still rang with people saying, can you do this while you're slow? Can you do that while you're slow? Which is the old thing. All opportunities arise from other people. You know, it's their dollars. It's their businesses that they can work with you on. So I guess my takeaway was taught me the value of making sure that you have relationships with people that you've done something good for. They didn't call you out of the blue. They called you because they actually respected your ability to deliver something or be competent for them. So I'd say that my takeaway was always make sure that your uh, Rolodex, as we used to call it, is uh, is active because you're going to have opportunities. Uh, and to have those opportunities, you've got to make sure you're still active with them. His name is Brad. She's Kristen. They're up in Bison, South Dakota. Cute place. You've never been there. It's uh, it's not a big town. In fact, it's about the size of this table. Uh, his name is Brandon Byington. He's uh, he's a, a hay producer, and he's in Washington State. And then, of course, here's Ryan Thompson, my man, South Dakota. My name's Damian Mason. We talked about, you know. Uh, what the last two years has taught you, but more importantly, how it affected you and the lessons that we can impart to anybody else. Um, I really appreciate you guys being here. So just for fun, if anybody is up there in Bison, South Dakota, and want to look you up, how do they find you? Give me a website where we can find the Sidels. Uh The website is actually www.bisonagllc.com. Fantastic. And we have a Facebook page, too, but you can Bison find either Ag, one. Bison Ag is where we start. And then, Brandon, if we want to find you and the good people of Helena, where do we find you for advice, for uh, any information we can go on from there? What do we got? Yeah, just go to the company website, uh, Helena Agra. HelenaAgra.com. And if I want to find Ryan Thompson, you know what you can do? Just look me up, and I'll get you hooked up with Ryan. Because he's anyway, he's with Helena here in South Dakota. Anybody else? Any other way to find you? Just for the fun of it? What about your side venture? Prairie Outfitters, LLC. So if you want to go bird hunting or you want to shoot a big old muley and you want to go to South Dakota to do so, go to Prairie Outfitters, LLC. He's got that going. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for being here, guests. Thank you. All right. Until next thank time. Thank you. Until next time. It's the you. business of agriculture. This episode of The Business of Agriculture was brought to you by Land Trust. Landowners, just like you, are increasing profitability by adding recreation to their portfolio of land use. Millions of recreators actively seek wide open spaces for bird watching, photography, hunting, fishing, horseback riding, and many other farm and ranch activities. Owners of farm and ranch properties are partnering with Recreation Access Network Land Trust. Land Trust is an online platform connecting recreators with landowners for outdoor experiences on their land to increase profitability. Visit LandTrust.com slash BOA, as in Business of Agriculture, to learn more. That's LandTrust.com slash BOA.